0: Our, uh, our message today is on the subject gift, gift wrapped, gift wrapped, and I had decided that I would introduce it by wrapping uh, jingle bells and say that was your Christmas wrapping, you know, Yo, 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 jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way, you know, that Christmas rapping. I did that, and, and Katie said, yeah, da- Daddy, don't do that, don't, don't do that. And so when, <laughs> if you hear me rapping, indeed, it, you'll know it's a white Christmas, I'll tell you that, because <laughs> I don't have much, much of that, amen. All righty, it's uh, great to see you today, great to be here. Luke chapter 2. Verse 7, and uh, also picking back up, verse 11 and verse 12. Luke chapter 2, verse 7, verses 11 and 12 are a text on the subject gift wrapped. And she brought forth forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Verse 11, for there is born to you this day... In the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, gift-wrapped. Let's pray. Father, I need you at this very moment, and we need you. Lord, the Christmas holidays are made up of moments. There are little things that happen. It may be one of our favorite Christmas songs or Christmas carols. It may be seeing an old friend or family. It may be the uh, tinsel and lights on the tree. It may be like I did this year and others did ringing the bell for the Salvation Army. and those things kind of are moments that that set the tone. They make Christmas for us. They get us in the spirit that get us in the mood But the most important thing is whose birthday it is and I'm praying that this would be one of those moments that your Holy Spirit would use your word to focus our attention on the greatest gift and that's the Lord Jesus Christ some say Lord that Life is God's greatest gift, but I'm reminded that your word says, in him was life, and his life was the light of men. And we thank you today, and we pray that you would give us that Christmas moment with you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Would you give the Lord one more hand clap of praise for his word, Thank Him for his word. Do we have any, uh, any young children, younger children, not, not, you know, under the age of 10, let's say, who enjoy getting gifts? Raise your hand. If you enjoy getting gifts, raise your hand. Charlie Davis, put your hand down. I, this, is, this is not for mental, the mental equivalent of 10. I mean years. Amen. Genesis, would you come up to the stage for me? Would you, would you help me? Y'all welcome my friend Deuteronomy to the, st- I mean Genesis, to the stage. How about, how about you, Flynn? Do you like getting presents? You don't like getting presents? You don't want to come get a present? All right. Well, the, there, uh-huh. Yeah. I've seen what you do with presents. All right. Yep, make the turn. Okay. Now. I'm thinking of a number between 1 and 10. And I want you to think of a number between 1 and 10. And whoever gets the closest to the number that I'm thinking of gets to pick which present they want to open. i got two presents. Okay, I'm thinking of it. All right, what number are you thinking of? Seven. Seven. What number are you thinking of? Eight. Eight. The, the number was two. So you win, okay? So you get. Could you help me here? This is my lovely assistant, Vanna. If if, if you'll hold up those gifts, and 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 you've got to let Genesis pick which one of those gifts. Uh, hold them up where the where the folks can say Yes. Now turn. I'd like to buy a vowel, by the way. Anyway, <laughs> come over here and let Genesis here. Come here. I, you were supposed to go to them, but that's okay. Come here. That's that's, that's come here. Good help's hard to find. You do better when you play that little piano, you know, that come right here. All right, now come here. All right, which one do you want to open, Genesis? You want that one? Okay, if you'll, if you'll take that one. And that means, Flynn, you get that one. So I want Genesis, I want you to open yours first. I could rap again while we're waiting if anybody... No? Okay. <laughs> Please don't, somebody said That's all right. You don't have to take your time. Just rip that paper up. That's all right. We were only going to reuse it, but that's all right. Just It's okay. I'm dying to know what it is. Just take your time. We're not... just waiting on the sermon that's all just no need to hurry You know what? i remember when you didn't have teeth to brush. (laughs) So that's that's good. All right, now open yours, there, Flynn. Keep tearing up my fancy wrapping paper. Oh, hold on. See what's in that green right there. That, what is that? That is a ten-dollar Walmart gift card, and you get a toothbrush. Now, how many knows what the lesson is to that? That preach it, sister. The outside ain't what counts. You cannot judge a book by its cover and you cannot judge a gift by its wrapping, amen? But because I'm such a kind pastor, you get a $10 gift card, too. Hey, and just in case he was jealous, you get a toothbrush, amen? All right, give, give our kids a hand, amen, amen. Come on, y'all come right down here. You, you're having a technical difficulty. Wardrobe malfunction. It's the Super Bowl all over again. Amen. All right, go on and sit down. I, I, love, I love giving gifts. Cameron is, a, as most of you know, Cameron's a very practical person. His personality is that way. But one of the unique things about his personality is that he wants to do what he's supposed to do and at christmas he's supposed to give gifts and he delights in getting the right gifts for his family and friends and the other day he was trying to pick out something for, for katie and he found just the right thing for katie i mean it was something that that she would would love but it only cost a certain amount of money and he had set in his mind to spend a certain amount of money on that on everybody's gift he's going to spend the same amount of money and so what he was getting uh katie was a very nice gift but it didn't quite come up to that certain amount of money that he put in his mind to get and so uh, he said daddy should i get her something else so that it'll equal i equal out because i'm spending the same amount of money on everybody and shouldn't i spend the same amount of money on katie that I spend on you and Mama's gift. And I said, no, what has she ever done for you? <laughs> we, <laughs> I mean, that's ludicrous. We, we feed and clothing. But that's the way I said, Cameron, it, it, it is the fact that you thought about Katie and you picked out something you knew that she would like and you spent the time thinking about that that counts. That, that's, that's the importance of it. I like uh, giving gifts. I like receiving gifts, and if you didn't give me anything, well, shame on you. <laughs> it's not too late. When we were growing up, we always, we, Daddy told us that Christmas came on December the 27th, that way he could wait till after Christmas and get the Christmas deal the after Christmas deals and let us open gifts. Now he never did that, but I, I will tell you, I've gotten many a gift the next year that was, was paid for the previous year. Gift-giving, as we know it, uh, some say dates back to, to pagan times and pagan rituals. But I think it's one of those elements of Christmas that has been successfully uh, Christianized. Uh, we really look back to the fact that the wise men came and they gave. The Bible doesn't say how many wise men they were. We sang, We Three Kings of Orient Are... Uh, they were not from the Ori- Orient, and they were not kings, and they, and they were probably not just three of them. What they, we do know is they gave three gifts gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And boy, that's a wonderful study how all of those things point to the different aspect of Jesus and his mission. But gift giving has a long tradition. Now, what we do at Christmas time, giving gifts, also has maybe a, a less than cheerful connotation to it. And in early European times, young men, a, a group of rowdy young men would go from house to house. They'd be kind of the lower caste class of society and they would go to the to the landed gentry and they would basically Christmas beg, do more than that, they would demand for them to give them something for Christmas. It's called wassailing. In fact, there's a song that we sing sometimes, uh, we'll go a-wassailing, and that's what it was about. It was It was a... a Uh, not only a Christmas beg it was kind of a Christmas demand in fact it was an exchange between social classes and so these rowdy young men would kind of demand their their uh, their Christmas uh, bounty Uh, you know kind of like kids do today (laughs) it's kind of the same way that kids kind of demand that one of the greatest examples of giving was a man that lived uh, several centuries ago Uh, He was a wealthy man. His parents had left him a lot of money, but he was a godly man. He loved God and he loved people. And uh, He was such a godly man that uh, attributed to him, and some of it's the stuff of legends, but attributed to him were several miracles, several times that he prayed and God answered his prayer. They even called him the wonder worker. And he had heard that there was a, a, a Christian man in the community who had, Lost, He had been wealthy. He had lost all of his wealth. He had three daughters. And uh, in those days, uh, young ladies would not be able to wed unless their father could afford to give them a dowry. And so he knew that those young ladies would not have a dowry. And he was so compassionate that he took of his own funds and he gave, some say on three successive nights, he gave just through through the window a sack of gold coins uh, labeled that for each young lady that they each would have their dowry and some versions of the story say that when he threw that first bag of gold through the window that their socks were hanging on the mantle uh, drying after having been washed and one of those sacks of, of gold coins landed in that stocking and that's why we hang stockings today. On the third night, the man was caught in the act. The, the father of those young ladies stayed up and he was caught in the act. He saw who it was. It was a very godly man named Nicholas who became a saint. That's right, Saint Nicholas. And he said, thank God that you've done this. You've done this for our daughters. And Nicholas said, don't tell anybody that it's me. And so he came to be known he was the patron saint of a lot, a lot of things, everything from sailors to thieves to prostitutes. But he's also the man that we uh, have derived our idea of, of the kind, benevolent person that brings gifts, named St. Nicholas. When he got to the Dutch, uh, the Dutch world, they called him uh, St. Nicholas Sinterklaas, or where we get Santa Claus from. That's the, the, the generosity of the age. One of my friends here in town who is a very giving person and at great personal sacrifice to himself is a man named Vernon Talkington and his wife Angie. They run the Hope Center out on in Oak Park or what Oak Park, what we used to call the Sand Ridge. And Vernon tells the story of a real life Santa Claus in his life. Growing up, I think it was in Indiana, uh, growing up, uh, or rather southern Illinois, very poor. They couldn't afford a whole lot. And every day he would watch as the train went by in the back of his house. And uh, he would always wait for the time. Anybody remember this? When you used to have engineers and you had an engineer in the caboose, trains had cabooses. And you could do this right here when they rolled by and they'd lay down on that on that whistle for you, and he always looked forward to that. And one day in the deep winter along Christmas time in southern Illinois, that big train came by. But this time, the engineer did not wave or just blow the whistle. He actually pulled the cord, and the train braked, and the clunk, 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 and the squeal of the tires. And that out in front of Vernon's house, that big train stopped on the tracks the engineer jumped out and brought to Vernon and his two younger sisters, brought him handfuls of Christmas presents and gave them to Vernon. And Vernon said that he, um, he was overwhelmed. His mother, I don't know, maybe it was out of embarrassment or just uh, stupefied, but his mother didn't even say thank you to the man. But he said the greatest gift that the engineer gave him that day was he patted him on the head and said to him, God sees you wherever you are. And it changed the course of Vernon Talkenden's life, a life which he has spent giving back to others because somebody gave to him. I am convinced that we are never more like God than when we give. I believe it is the nature of God to give because God is love and it is the nature of love to give. Giving to love is like warmth to the sunshine. It is the radiation. It is the outcropping. The overflow of love is to give. And God is a great giver. In fact, James 7, 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God is a great gifter. He's a great gift giver. And not only does he do that, he delights in giving good things. Our salvation is a gift from God. That's what the Bible says. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. It is the gift of God. Not only that, but the very faith to believe for salvation is the gift of God that we are saved by grace through faith, and that faith not of itself, but it is the gift of God. The peace of God that passes all understanding is a gift from God. The precious Holy Ghost of God is a gift from God. 2 Peter 1, 3 says, As His divine power is given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and virtue. Everything that we have in life not just the spiritual things but everything that we have in life that is good is a gift from God. Life itself is a gift from God. Our health is a gift from God. Our talents are a gift from God. In fact, the Apostle Paul said, if everything that you have that's good you receive from somebody else, how can you boast that you have it? It was a gift from God. Our very strength is a gift from God. The breath that we breathe, everybody breathe in real quick. You know what the Bible says? Let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord because that breath was a a gift from a benevolent and holy father. Now, you can give without loving. Apostle Paul was very clear in that, and the scripture is very clear in that, that you can give without loving. In fact, the Apostle Paul said you can sell everything you have and give it to the poor and not have love. He said you can give your own body and not have love. And he says if you do all of those works and it's not from the right motive, people hear that, know it, they see it, it is a discordant chord when they see that kind of giving in action. it is like a clinging brass, it's a clanging symbol. it loses all of its sweetness and all of its beauty when people go through the motions but they're not motivated by love. you can' have you ever given a gift to somebody and done it begrudgingly? I'm going to tell you what all these Christmas parties my kids have had this year and all these secret Santas and all that kind of mess. I haven't been real happy about all of them, <laughs> right? You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. It is the natural response of love to give. It is the nature of love to give. And since God is love, God is a great giver. In fact, 2 Corinthians 9:15 says there is a gift, of all the great and wonderful gifts that he's given us that we can talk about and sing about and celebrate, there is one gift that is so magnificent, so wonderful, it defies our ability to describe. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Thanks be unto God for his indescribable gift. It is so wonderful, words cannot tell it. What is that great Indescribable, unspeakable gift. It's Himself in the person of His Son. I've quoted this scripture time and again throughout the Christmas season and quoted it time and again throughout the 10 years that I've been here. It's one of my favorite. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Uh, Verse nine, that was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. He came into his own and his own did not receive him but as many as received him To them he gave the right to become the children of God. To those who believe in his name. Who were born not of blood, not of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. God gave the indescribable gift when the word was made flesh. In fact, God wrapped that gift. He didn't wrap that wonderful gift of himself in the person of his son. He did not wrap it in Starlight and roll it around in the beautiful depths of the ocean sea. He did not put angels on every hilltop. He did not scroll back the heavens and have him walk down a golden stairway. He wrapped the Word of God. We've talked about it before. The Greeks had a thought. Even though they had a pantheon of gods, many gods, they still thought there were, you said it the other day, the unmoved mover. They thought there was a divine thought behind everything. Everything that you see and touch and feel has a thought behind it. This pulpit started at the thought, uh, as a thought in the mind of the, the designer. And you look at the world, the heavens declare the glory of God, the earth is full of His glory. You look at the magnificent of God, Creation. You look at at human beings themselves. You look at the beauty of a mother's touch. You look at all of those things. You have to conclude there was a designer somewhere. And that that thought, that original thought, to the Greek, they used this word "logos," word. That's what that was their word for that original thought that was behind everything we see and touch and feel and John took that word and said let me tell you what the Logos is in the beginning was the Logos in the beginning was the word and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us God wrapped his greatest gift in flesh we call it the incarnation now we've got some Spanish speakers here today they can tell you a little bit more about this than I can but when you eat We just call it chili. We call chili with meat chili. In fact, without it, it's beans. (laughs) Let's face it. But it's not that way originally. Originally, chili with meat is chili con carne. Chili with meat. And when we talk about the incarnation... We're saying the God who the heavens of heavens cannot contain. The God that David said, if I rise up to heaven, he's there. If I make my bed in the belly of hell, he's there. I can't run away from him for running into him. In fact, Paul said in him we live and move and have our being. The omnipotence and omnipresence of God is not that God is everywhere, but that everywhere is in God. God's so big he doesn't dwell in his universe. His universe dwells inside of him and that God that created all things and spoke all things into existence and upholds all things by the word of his power, that word was wrapped in flesh. God gift-wrapped him. Joseph and Mary took and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, but God wrapped him in human flesh, God with meat, can you imagine that? The Word was made flesh, verse 14, and dwelt among us. That's what the Apostle Paul had to say about it. Let this mind be in you. This is Philippians 2. Let this mind be in in you which was also in Christ Jesus Who being in the form of God Did not consider it robbery to be equal with God But made himself of no reputation Taking the form of a bond servant And coming in the likeness of men And being found in appearance as a man He humbled himself And became obedient to the point of death Even the death of the cross Therefore God has also highly exalted him And given him a name Which is above every name That at the name of Jesus Every knee should bow everything, Every tongue should Confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That most precious gift was wrapped in flesh. And that flesh was wrapped in swaddling clothes. Not royal robes, but swaddling clothes. And I need you to understand that of all the titles that describe him, and there's so many wonderful names Of our Lord Jesus Christ. So many descriptive names. But of all the one that's the hardest to wrap your mind around. Is Emmanuel. Which means God with us. That that little baby. Still red. From a hard night's work of struggling to get out of his mother's womb. Looking up and cooing at Joseph as, as Joseph reaches out his finger and that little finger instinctively clasps around Joseph's finger. That little baby who even now begins to cry for another sip of his mother's milk, that little baby is the one that stood out on the edge of eternity when there was nothing but darkness and said, let there be light and boom, there was light. That little baby is now in the snow, snuggled up in the straw. But he had something no other baby had ever had. He had a history. In fact, all of history is his story. And that little baby was God in the flesh. Wrapped up in swaddling clothes. Co equal with the Father, co equal with the Spirit. He did not see his godhood as something to be grabbed onto and clung to, but he took upon himself the form of a servant and was wrapped in human flesh. Now, listen to me. I don't want you to think that the gospel means that the Word just put on a disguise like a man and pretended to be a man. He was in every way a man. He was very man of very man. But he was also very God of very God. Jesus was never, never less than a man. But he was always more than a man. He was God In the flesh. Wrapped up. Can you imagine that? Listen at what this same John said. 1 John 1 1 and 2. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father was manifested to us. You know what John said? John said we looked across the fire and saw God eating fish and bread. John said, I myself stretched out my hand and placed it on the shoulder of God in the flesh. John said, at the Last Supper, I myself leaned my head over on the shoulder of God Almighty wrapped up in human flesh. That's Jesus, God in the flesh, the precious Son of God. We saw Him. We touched Him. Verse 14 of John 1, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. One day, Jesus called Peter and James and John. He said, Boys, come up here with me. And they went up on a mountain. And on that mountain there appeared to Jesus Moses and Elijah, talking of him about his impending death. And the Bible says that as they spoke to Jesus, John said that. That's what he's talking about when he said we beheld his glory. This is what he's talking about. John was there. And John said as as we saw that, Jesus began to glow like the noonday sun. His robes were whiter than any fooler could ever get those robes. It radiated, but it was not the glory of God, I believe, that was radiating upon Jesus. It was the glory of God that was radiating from Jesus. In other words, when your youngins start rifling around the Christmas tree and they try to peel back that tape just enough, to get a peek of what that present might be. Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration, they got a sneak peek of what was wrapped in human flesh. They saw just a glimpse of the glory of God Almighty wrapped in human flesh. Well, 60 years go by And that same John is the only one of those apostles still alive. All the rest of them had been martyred. He's an old man in his 90s. He has been dipped in boiling oil and it did not kill him. And so they stuck him out on a rock, the Alcatraz of the ancient world. They stuck him out on a rocky island called Patmos. And he said while he was on Patmos that on a Sunday, on a normal Sunday, he'd have been at church in Ephesus. He was the bishop there. On a normal Sunday when he walked in, People would have gathered around him. They had have craned their neck to see the last living apostle of the Lord. They would have cut their ears to hear just one word about Jesus that dripped from his lips. But no, he's alone on Patmos. But he wasn't quite alone because he said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I looked up and I saw Jesus. But I didn't see him as a baby in the straw. I didn't see him as a suffering servant hanging on a cross. I didn't see him as a compassionate healer walking among the people. When I saw him, he had eyes like fire and feet like brass and his countenance was like the flaming sun and his hair was white as wool and I saw him riding on a white charger in white robes and I saw written upon his thigh uh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords and I saw them crown him with many crowns and I saw the whole world and all of creation and all that's in it bow before him and I had a vo- heard voices like a rushing mighty waterfall singing glory to the lamb that was slain all of the power and all of the honor and all of the glory are due his name and here's how he described it he said when I was there what I received was a revelation of Jesus Christ And that word revelation is the word apocalypto. And here's what it means. It means that when something has been veiled and the veil is lifted off, The veil is taken away and you see it for what it is. He said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and that that I caught a little glimpse of on the mountain of transfiguration, I saw in its fullness there on the Isle of Patmos. There the veil was taken away. Could I say that it was unwrapped? He saw the glory of Jesus unwrapped. There's coming a day when the whole world is going to see him unwrapped. The first time he came, he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. But the next time he comes, he's going to be robed in glory. The first time that he came, he was called the carpenter's son. But the next time he comes, they'll say, there's the son of God. The first time that he came, he came to die, but the next time he comes, he's coming to raise the dead. The first time that he came, he came as a lamb. The next time he's coming as the lion of the tribe of Judah. The first time he came, he came as a suffering servant. But the next time he comes, he's coming as king of kings and lord of lords. And every eye shall see him. And every knee is going to bow. And every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is lord to the glory of God the Father. not only in that day is he going to be unwrapped but we're going to be unwrapped those that have linked their life with the lordship of Jesus Christ here's what the Bible says John, that same John said this it does not yet appear what we shall be But we know when he shall appear. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The old hymn writer said this this robe of flesh I'll drop and rise to seize the everlasting prize. There's an unwrapping coming. In 1971, a young lady by the name of Vicky Allen bought a Christmas present for her high school boyfriend, Adrian Pierce. And uh, I think I think I got that's that's Adrian now. I've got a picture of them when they were young, I think. She bought a Christmas present, wrapped it in that in that purple paper. The problem was is that while She was shopping for his Christmas present. She bumped into another boy. And they hit it off. (laughs) And so she decided to break up with Adrian. It's Christmas. She decided to break up with him. Started dating this other boy that she met while searching for his Christmas present. But she went ahead And gave him the Christmas present anyway. He came home and flung it under his parents' tree. He said, I won't ever open it. The next year, he just put it back under the tree, unopened. They lost touch with each other. He went on, got married, had two children. But it just kind of became a Christmas tradition for him to take that unopened present and put it under his tree he did that even after he was married even after he had children finally his wife said to him I'm a little uncomfortable with you putting that gift from another girl under the tree so he quit putting it under the tree but he didn't throw it away he still kept it and at Christmas time when he'd take out his decorations he'd just take it out and hold his hand look at it think about what life was like when he was a teenager well, he got this idea. He said, I think on the 50th anniversary of getting that gift, I think I'm finally going to open it. So he put it on Facebook. I'm going to open this gift. And his old girlfriend saw it. And they got in touch with each other. And he said, since they got in touch with each other, he decided he would open it. This was 2017 when he put that out. 2018, he said, I, decide, I decided I'd go ahead and open it a couple of years earlier and he got in touch with a local charity and he said, why don't we make this a charity event? People bought tickets to come see him and open, open at a, at that present. And he got back in touch with, with her, with Vicky, and Adrian and Vicki saw each other for the first time in 47, 48 years. And she was there and she opened it. When she opened it, she kind of gasped and kind of covered her mouth. She said, I can't give him this. Remember now, she bought this present while she, was, or, you know, while she was buying this present, she met another guy and broke up with him. Because when she opened it, she found that what she got was a little book. What she would given him was a little book, small book titled, Love Is, with the subtitle, New Ways to Spot That Certain Feeling. <laughs> and for 47 years, that gift was unopened. 2,000 years ago, God the Word wrapped in flesh, and that baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. You remember those presents that Genesis and Flynn opened? One was beautifully wrapped. One, there was no beauty or comeliness that we should desire it. Isn't that what the Word says, what Isaiah said about Jesus. In fact, he was despised and rejected, but the word was wrapped in a plain paper bag. And he was given to his own, and his own would not receive it. But to as many as receive it, they become the sons and daughters of God. And God says, if you want to know what love is, Check out that gift wrapped baby in the straw who will give his life to save humanity and rise again to be Lord of all. Now, here's the problem everybody has to unwrap that gift for themselves. Some of you are celebrating, my friends back here, their second Christmas as a married couple. Some of you are celebrating your 20th Christmas. Some of you are celebrating your 80th Christmas. Wouldn't it be a shame to put up the tree and the lights and, like Adrian, have one gift that lays unopened? We can know God. We can know His forgiveness and His mercy and His love and His salvation. He gift wrapped it for us. And gave that gift named Jesus Christ to us. And He invites you today to open the gift. Would you stand? Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. And every Christian is praying. Thanks be to God for His unspeakable gift. Father, today, this moment, Lord, I'm asking Your Spirit to do what my words cannot do. I'm asking You to draw people to Yourself. Help them to believe and accept you as their Savior. And Lord, in Jesus' name, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, and Christians are praying. If you're here today and you're saved and you know it, lift your hand. If you know you're a Christian, lift your hand. Now, as no one's looking around, nobody's going to go back to you. Nobody's going to embarrass you. But just so that I'll know how to pray, and so you'll know where you are, if you're here today and you're not living in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, would you just lift your hand? And say, that's me. All right, I'm thank you. I'm going to ask everybody in the building to pray this prayer with me. And if you don't know the Lord and you pray this prayer from your heart and you believe it, if you believe it and you mean it, the Lord will hear it and he'll forgive your sin and become your Savior and your Lord. Pray this with me. Say, Father God, I know I've sinned because everybody has. But I also know you love me. And I know you sent your son to die in my place. And your word says, if I believe that in my heart and I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus I'll be saved Lord I do believe Lord I do confess my sins I ask you to forgive them and I confess Jesus as my only Lord and my only Savior and I'm thankful that you told us if we believe it and we receive it we'll be saved Thank you, Lord, that I'm saved. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Amen.